Hey, pals, thanks for listening to The Big Listen. If you want to start your day off right tomorrow, check out Up First. It's the morning news podcast from NPR. Apple Podcast reviewer Eve Bethel calls it, quote, concise and comprehensive. I listen to Up First every morning on my walk to work. It gives me a great summary of the top news stories to keep my eye on during the day and the upcoming week, end quote. So wake up with Up First tomorrow morning on the NPR One app or wherever you listen to podcasts. Before we start, I want to remind you to please go and review us on iTunes. Seriously, just go to iTunes. Let us know what you think. It really helps other very attractive listeners such as yourself find the show. Now, here is a recent five-star review from The Skolsi. Quote, this show is the best. The Big Listen is my personal podcast shopper. End quote. Oh, thanks. The Big Listen is at your service. Now, let's start the show. A couple weeks ago, my producer Ponzi Rutch and I took a trip down to Capitol Hill. Hello, how are you? I'm Lauren Ober. How you doing? Nice to meet you. This is my producer Ponzi. Producer, everybody needs one. Yes, sir. We came to the Hill to talk podcasting with Minnesota Congressman Keith Ellison. But we had to shoehorn ourselves into his schedule with committee obligations, constituent handshaking, and his new role as deputy chair of the Democratic National Committee. Ellison's a busy guy. Never a boring day here. Boring is not our problem. Yeah. Excessive stimulation might be. Ellison is one of the Democrats' leading progressive voices. He's also the leading podcaster in the House of Representatives. Well, that's because he's the only podcaster, but still. The show about how the people outside of the billionaire and millionaire class, you know, most of us, engage the economy. Naturally, Ellison's show is called We the Podcast. We the Podcast. Because <laughs> it's like we the people. Right, absolutely. But like the podcast. Right. right? So, so it was kind of cute that way. I'm Lauren Ober, and from WAMU and NPR, this is The Big Listen, the broadcast about podcasts. Each week on The Big Listen, we introduce you to podcasts that you might not have heard of, and we give you the inside scoop on shows you already love. Now, podcasting is a natural fit for Congressman Ellison. In the early 90s, before he was in politics, he hosted a public affairs radio show on KMOJ in Minneapolis. 89.9 KMOJ-FM. The station didn't have someone to fill a Thursday night. And I had been practicing law for about three, four years and active in the community. So uh, Randy Statton, who's a friend of mine, former state legislator, says, hey, you know, I'm on the board of KMOJ. Why don't you do a show? And Ellison was thinking a show was like one single show. And it was over. I'm like, ooh, how do we survive that? After, you know, a lot, it yeah. was really like yeah. a lot of work, even though it was just an hour. And then I said, oh, so Randy, so, uh, you know, we did it. Thanks a lot for the chance to do it. That was fun. Said, what are you doing next week? I'm like, oh boy. Ellison was hooked, and for the next eight years before he became a public official, he hosted Black Power Perspectives. Radio seemed like a pretty good fit. As a lawyer, you know, I know how to ask a question. I know how to tell a story. Hopefully I know how to listen. So those are the skills I bring to bear. Those skills have served him well, not just as a lawyer and a radio host. They're also pretty important for a politician. And with We The Podcast, Ellison is combining all of it. We'll hear more from Ellison later in the show, and we'll also hear from Leah Tao, host of the podcast Strangers, who also delves into politics by sleeping over at the houses of Trump voters. Can I be fully honest about my anger at them and my conviction that they have voted for something that I think is a catastrophe for this country? 
and at the same time can I have empathy for them as human beings. But now I want you to think about what you were doing when Michael Jackson died or when the Fukushima nuclear plant melted down or when Hurricane Katrina ripped through the Gulf Coast. Chances are, unless you were involved in any of those events, your life was proceeding as normal, nothing important to report. But for some people, the dates that we all remember live on in their memories for different reasons. That's the premise of a new podcast. From KUOW in Seattle, you're listening to How's Your Day, telling you a story you don't know from a day we all remember. Arwin Nix and Shane Mailing, the producers of How's Your Day, had their work cut out for them. They had to find stories that were happening when the world was looking in another direction. Stories that happened when Princess Diana died. French radio is saying that the accident happened in western Paris. When the Twin Towers fell. There has been some sort of explosion. We don't fully know the details. When Nelson Mandela took his first steps as a free man. After 27 years in South African jails, Nelson Mandela is a free man. Yes, Mr. Mandela. Arwen Nix, welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Okay. So it seems a little bit like this project would be a needle in a haystack, right? Because while I could say, yes, I remember exactly where I was when Princess Diana died, that's not a story. Mm-hmm. How do you even start the the process of finding these parallel tales? Well, it started... It changed over the course of the year that we were working on it, but it began by just looking through newspaper archives from like newspaper databases through the university or through the public library, small town papers, local papers, and trying to find stories that happened around the same time and going through there. So it was just tons of microfiche and looking through the stacks and a lot of online searches. Sorry, you said microfiche. That's hilarious to me. (laughs) It was. It was a lot of that. A lot of these had these moments that... I think for me, when I start out listening to them, I'm like trying to find the connection. What's the connection? What's the connection? And then it's like, oh, um, was like, was that kind of what you were going for? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I think I wanted to make people feel. I think that there is there's this experience that we have where if someone if we're at a, a party and someone starts talking about 9-11, Everyone who they're talking to remembers exactly where they were. And so you have your part of the story in that way because you're part of the collective trauma of it. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to take that and then kind of reach in to your heart and squeeze it and twist it a little bit and then leave you forever changed. <laughs> you know, just that. I wonder if you can maybe talk about the... There was a bright spot, I think, in this story um, from 9-11. Maybe you can walk us through that. Yeah. Which I, I feel which I feel like is a little bright spot. Is that terrible? Is. is that terrible? That's terrible. No, I mean, I respect the days that we chose so greatly. I mean, 9-11 is, of course, an awful, awful day, mm-hmm. which is what made this story so interesting to me because learning that there was a group of a dozen or so researchers in Maine off the Bay of Fundy who were all collecting different data on the ugliest whale in existence, the right whale. And they were out there and they're studying this like really ugly, weird creature and they love it and they have nicknames for these whales. And 9-11 happens. And they, like so many of us, watch the second plane hit the second tower And they didn't know what to do. 
And so the way that the guest puts it in the episode is that if the goal of terrorism is to get us to stop and be afraid, I knew that I couldn't do that. And so we went to work. So then a very strange thing happened. If you recall correctly, all airline, all air flights were shut down into the United States and Canada actually did the same thing. So what normally was a sky filled with contrails was empty. The other thing that happened that most people don't know is that much of the shipping in and out of the east coast of the United States and Canada was also shut down. Um, so when we got out there, we were in an ocean that had almost no human activity other than us. And in some weird way, it felt like, um, it felt like a giant church. It felt, uh, I don't know if the right, what the right word is, but it was a, one of those experiences that allowed you to reconnect with what, what mattered. In the absence of any like the perspective it gives as a story when the whole world thinks about looking up on that day, what's actually happening if you look down? Right. And it amazed me. It amazed me that that could be a good day for anyone. Right. For right. anyone. Right. And, and it wasn't for a person, but it was for these whales. When you were reporting these, were, were there any of the stories that were you know, that really stood out for you? I mean, I guess that's kind of like, you know, what's your favorite child kind of thing. But Oh, no, uh, I have a favorite child. Okay. Oh, great. <laughs> I mean, I mean, my parents have a favorite child, too, and it's not me. So uh, I feel okay asking that. Um, I would say that the, the story that we did with Kayla um, and on the day of the BP oil spill mm -hmm. is, and I think I might be alone on the team in this, but I think that that story is my favorite because... I feel I feel so greatly for her. Mm -hmm. She she accidentally killed someone mm -hmm. and she was suffering with a lot of addiction. And I have known a lot of people who have suffered with addiction. And I think a lot of people who have just made a lot of poor choices. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the fear. That's the fear that that something terrible could happen. And when it happens, you can't ever really come back from it. Mm -hmm. I almost have this image in my head that I remember of that morning of like before I made that three point turn. It's like I saw her, like, in my peripheral. Like, I'll never lose that image in my head. And I don't know if it's a real image, but it's just there. And the van went right through the house. My name is Kayla Gardas, and I am a formerly incarcerated woman. In Long Island, there was no other news but my news. That was the highlight. That was the thing. It, was, it blew up in a very bad way. I remember opiates being like a euphoric rush, like no pain, like just a bliss, just another, you know, not having to like deal with my feelings and my pain. It was just numbing, like comfortably numb. I wonder how doing all of these stories has impacted you. Oh, um, well, I was having lunch with a friend the other day, and she said that she thinks I have compassion fatigue. 
you know, it's this idea that you're with these stories and this tragedy for so much and it changes you and you have to figure out how to take care of yourself. And I don't think I did a very good job taking care of myself while I was making this. Mm -hmm. I was working on the Columbine episode when the Orlando shooting happened Mm -hmm. and I was in Los Angeles for work and away from my own gay community in Seattle and I was listening to 911 calls from Columbine and I was in high school when that happened. And mm-hmm. so that was like really, really hard to dig through that tape. I was wrecked. And that's like, I think that's actually the first time, maybe the only time in my career where I had to just stop working for a couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. It just, it hit me too hard. And I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not ashamed to say that I was not steeled to it. I had to stop for a minute. Well, we got um, more than one shooter, so. There's more than one shooter? Yes. Do you have a description of it? We heard, like, popping, and we didn't know what it was, and then I looked out the window, and there's this guy throwing, like, a pipe bomb at all the cars. And then he came in, the, they, like, started blowing up and shooting everyone in the cafeteria. And then you could hear them laughing and running upstairs, and they were shooting anyone of color wearing a white hat or played a sport. And they didn't care who it was, and it was all at close range. So Columbine, I I knew I wanted to include that in the series because I remember so vividly, I hadn't felt before like I needed to be afraid at school. Mm-hmm. And so it, that felt like a really vulnerable story. So when I found the story of Kathleen, whose child was basically the center of this case where was the child safer with her or safer with the state because she was HIV positive and wanted to breastfeed. We got up early. I mean, I always got up at like six and I like to pot around in the morning when before everybody's up. So it's like my quiet time. The case is drawing national attention, whether breast milk is best, even if the mother tests positive for HIV. As an infant, Felix was like the cheerfulest, like most outgoing, happy baby. He was awesome baby. She says doctors told her she was HIV positive when she was six months pregnant with Felix. Today they went to court to fight for the right to give him breast milk. I had never been away from Felix before that day. Not at all. Like, he was with us no matter what we were doing. He, he was part of the package. Attorneys for the couple say the Tysons should have the right to raise their child as they see fit and are prepared to take the case further. Yeah, that would have been the first day that we had been separated. I felt like the parallel of where is a child safe and is or can you actually be safe anywhere? Mm-hmm. That was important to me, and it's it's probably my favorite parallel in the series. Mm-hmm. Are you going to keep going with this? Because it seems like these probably take a very long time to make. No, absolutely not. These are done. <laughs> <laughs> this is a nine-episode series, and I, I Put really this hope this up that on the shelf. <laughs> it's, it's up, it's there, and I hope that if someone likes likes the series that they follow our work and and they think of us in the same way you do with a director people have come to me and said it's so sad that you guys aren't going to make more of these and i'm like well not every movie needs a sequel 
Erwin Nix is the co-creator of How's Your Day from our pals at KUOW in Seattle. To find out more about the show, hit up biglisten.org. Now, remember our favorite legislator slash podcaster, Congressman Keith Ellison, from the top of the show? Well, in 2015, he parlayed his community radio experience into a podcast called We the Podcast. And Ellison says it's a perfect way to reach constituents. The reason I podcast is because you've got to communicate with people. You, You know, if people don't know what you're doing and what you're up to, they assume you're not doing it. Today, you know, we're talking about credit scores, credit access, and your ability to participate in this economy. I have a piece of legislation called the Credit Access and Inclusion Act. And this is a very... The podcast also helps collapse the distance between Ellison and his constituents. You know, we're talking to folks who are actually going through the issues. So there's a young woman named Chantel who was on one of my podcasts, and we were talking about the diaper need. Mm -hmm. You know, food stamps and WIC and all that doesn't cover diapers or the powder. This leads to kids getting rashes. Mm -hmm. You know, one group did a study. And And at this point, the congressman couldn't help himself. He launched into a monologue about diaper availability, postpartum depression, and the working poor. Rashes, that leads to mom having to stay home. If you're making $7.25, which a lot of people... A podcast clearly seems like a perfect venue for Allison. Every day they're not at work. Every hour they're not at work is is, is taking taking a chunk out of their life. We're going to take a quick break now, but when we come back, we'll hear from comedian Lauren Lapkiss about her slightly inverted podcast concept. The guest is the host, so I let my guests decide what the show's going to be. They can play a character or they can be themselves, and they come up with a character for me to play on their show. But first, we're going to take a little trip with the host of the podcast, Strangers. So here I am in Reno waiting for Alicia to come pick me up. And um, I'm nervous. That's coming up in a quick sec. Stick around. This is NPR. Hey there, I'm Joshua Johnson, the host of 1A. There are lots of places to debate today's issues, if you don't mind getting attacked for speaking your mind or for asking a simple question. 1A provides a safe, smart space for tough conversations and for insights on the week's news. Listen to 1A weekdays on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, my name is Jacob Changer. I'm from uh, Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. And the podcast I want to recommend is the Ready to Go Patio Show with Dave and Scott. Ready to go patio show. They're a couple pretty funny guys who just go around and review patio shows. The reason I really like it is they have a good time. But also, like, you know, I want to know what's what's the best places in the area to go if you want to you know sit outside on a summer day and enjoy the... Uh, the food at a local restaurant that is exactly what we do we love patios we love them we like to go to them and sit at them and talk about them when it's too cold we go to patios when it's too hot hot, we go to patios patios. when we've got a huge crowd we go to patios pretty much all the places they've told me to go i've had a great experience so that's the podcast i would recommend thanks Hey, pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and if you want to recommend a podcast as off the wall as the Ready to Go Patio Show, have at it. 
The pod line is 202-885-POD1, so get on the horn. If I told you that we lived in a divided country right now, you'd be like, oh yeah, Lauren, we know, we're not dummies. But sometimes we forget these things when we're in our little bubbles. And that's definitely been the case for Leah Tao. She's the host of the podcast Strangers, which she produces from the liberal enclave of Los Angeles. And as a progressive living there, she doesn't come into contact all that often with people who have opposing politics. Plus, she's Danish. It's part of why it's so hard for me to understand this country, right? Uh, And certain aspects of the American ideology, the sort of individualism and all of that. But her show, Strangers, is all about understanding other people. So she decided to find Trump voters who wanted to talk. And then she invited herself into their lives for tough, intimate conversations. Literally, she invited herself into their houses and sometimes spent the night. The stories that came from those conversations are part of a mini-series called Leah in Trumpland. Leah Tao, welcome to The Big Listen. Thank you. So tell me what Leah in Trumpland is. So Leah in Trumpland is me traveling around the country talking to Trump supporters. I'm a progressive, and I don't hide that on the show, although it's not normally a political show at all, Mm -hmm. right? It's usually a storytelling show where it's easy to just listen to people's dramatic life stories and feel good and feel sad and cry with them and want to hug them. And so it's usually like one big love fest, right? And, and you know, I, I, I often hear this from the listeners and I also think of it in these terms myself as like as a show that fosters empathy, right? Mm-hmm. That has as its explicit mission even to promote a kind of radical empathy. Mm-hmm. And what happened for me was after the election, that I was like, I feel stretched to the limits of my empathy. But I was like, I I don't even want to talk to these people. I just, I basically just want them to go to hell. Can, can I swear? Is this a podcast? <laughs> well, you can't, you can't I swear. Know. I think you can say hell, but I, no. you know, okay. this is on a okay. radio show. So, um, so uh, you know, I, I just was like, I don't even want to engage with you. I felt so hurt, so angry by this election. I just wanted to kind of curl up in it. And I did the very risky thing of making a post on the Strangers Facebook page where I said, you know, I have been up all night because I've been wrestling with the limits of my empathy. Uh, How could anyone vote for this, you know, racist, bigoted, misogynistic agenda? And need we be tolerant of intolerance, right? Like here I am trying to foster empathy, but like, should I even foster empathy for something that I find at its core so unempathetic? That prompted tons of conservatives to write me very angry letters and leave the Facebook page and unsubscribe from the show. You know, the name of the show is Strangers, right? right? And I thought, I kind of feel like the people, like we are strangers in this country, in this divide, even before Donald Trump was elected, even before he won the nomination. This was already going on. This chasm was already here, right? And I said, who will talk? to me. Like, if you're a Trump supporter on the next episode, right, I made a call out and I said, if you're a Trump supporter and you're willing to talk to me, write to me, call me. I wonder, um, you know, when you when you started this project, what were you hoping your conversations would would be like? Because I feel like so the moment you get in Alicia's car, like you are just it, it, you guys start right off the bat. Yeah. Just so you know, I'm already recording. I can turn it off if you want. Oh, no, that's great. Um, I do want to tell you that I'm super nervous. You are? I am. 
Okay. Um, for so many reasons. I don't want to come off looking. You know, not like, how are you? Like, what's happening with your kid? Like, oh, this is a pretty place. You're like, no, right into it. I have never in my life seen the look of disgust like I have when somebody found out that I voted for Trump. Yeah, I hear that. But, you know, do you understand why? Why? When I see Trump or his cabinet and the things that they're proposing, I feel like they're taking everything that I value, everything that I hold just a little bit sacred, everything that I think is decent and gives me any hope for the planet or for humanity or for this country. And they're smashing it on the ground and they're stomping on it with just like metal boots. I mean, I I really am embarrassed to admit this and I'm scared to admit it, but I do feel so hateful and that further undermines my hope in humanity. It's part of why I'm here, right? Because I don't think that staying in that place is gonna help. Do you feel it toward me? Um, um, no, I don't. I mean, these are, I wouldn't necessarily say they're combative conversations, but they are, they are certainly heated and impassioned conversations. So what were you hoping or what did you think they would be you know, perhaps versus then what they ended up being. I really, I don't think I knew exactly what I hoped for. And, you know, my some of my friends were like, why do you, would you bother? Like, nobody seems to be able to have this conversation in a meaningful way in this country. Why do you think you can? Right. Uh, you know, I, I wasn't even sure I was going to do it, but I, I kept feeling like I have to try somehow. Maybe I also felt a little bit that just doing a storytelling show in the current climate, I felt a little bit like I'd be like the orchestra on the Titanic that just kept playing while the Titanic was sinking. Like, I was like, I'm a little bit part of the problem if I'm just putting out these like stories that are just so like chocolate milkshake, like they're so, they have no teeth, right? Yeah. Well, I, you know, I think that um, one thing that I appreciated um, about your, your first couple of episodes is that it didn't seem at all like the, like the the people that you profile were not people who I'd heard from before. Yeah, on the contrary, I kind of went out of my way to pick the ones that I thought uh, surprised me demographically, right? You know, so I went and I like stayed overnight in their houses, mm-hmm. in their like kids' bedrooms. You know, they <laughs> made up like their kids' bedrooms for me, and I and I like got drunk with them and I smoked weed with them. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I mean, one of the reasons why I chose Eugene was that he was uh, he lives in New York City. He's Jewish. His grandfather was a Holocaust survivor. He's educated. He's a millennial. He defies a lot of that. He's pro-choice. If you're going to make policies based off morals, you're going to be left with hypocritical situations all the time. Why is it that you should care about Syrian refugees but ignore the refugees from all across the globe? You can't. So either you say, I care about refugees, I think we should protect the Syrians, the North Koreans, the Liberians, all across the globe. Or you remove the moral aspect of it and you look at it from an economic standpoint and say, can we help people? If we can, we should. And if we can't, we shouldn't sacrifice the benefits and quality of life of Americans. But there are crises, right? And your family is Jewish and your grandfather was a Holocaust survivor. So do you think that Americans should not have intervened in World War II? I think that 
it, simply based on moral grounds, if there's a war happening in a country like there is almost at all times in our human civilization, do we have a moral obligation to enter that war? I would if it's that. a genocide or something if akin to the Holocaust. Genocide, I would argue we do have a responsibility as the greatest country in the world, but if we don't have the economic ability to not sacrifice the American livelihood and the people that our politicians are responsible to represent, then even though we might want to morally, we economically can't make that decision. And Eugene, who's the last person I sort of went in the boxing ring with in, in this series, you know, won every point. And, you know, and you feel this urge to defend and be like, that sure. is not true. At the same time, I feel like, wow, I'm really proud of my editing, right? Because that was the other thing. I don't think any of their points really are that valid to me, but I also want to be fair. And I, I need to let some of their points stand and create a pause and put in music and let people think about that for a moment and kind of let them win that. Yeah point you know if it was a tennis match and I feel very proud when people like Leah's an imbecile and he sounds much smarter than her in that I'm like well at least I must have edited it kind of fairly I I did think it was both of them said well you know liberals lead with their hearts and their guts and you know conservatives lead with logic and yeah at the end of the day it seems to me what everybody would want to lead with would be fact. Well, I think that the answer is that it is just hard to agree on what's facts and what's logic and what's heart. And uh, because I think that we all are starting from a moral, emotional point in the things that we value. And then we find facts to back that up. Facts are... Okay, facts, as we can tell, are highly sensationalized by the people that are presenting them to us. So I think that too often we we say racist for thinking something that's different or for questioning something. And because that person happens to fit a minority group, you're wrong for doing so. What do you hope that your listeners get out of it um, when they hear you engaging in these very um, vociferous debates with with you know, folks who voted for Trump. I don't know, Lauren, in, in my little audio journal that I recorded for myself last night, I was like crying. It's so embarrassing. But I was <laughs> I was crying because I was like, I, this week has been really hard for me because, first of all, I'm not used to getting so much hate. Like, if you have a podcast, you get hate from time yeah. to time, right? But here it's like, it's from liberals who are like, why are you giving these fascists yeah. any more airtime? You know, I'm so disappointed in you, Leah. You take the hornet's and, nest. And uh, so it's from both sides. And and it's from the conservatives, too, who are like, you know, I, I you are so wrong and I feel so disappointed and I'm so sad that you've, or I hate you, I think you're stupid. Or, <laughs> you know, it's almost like the subjects and I are bonding over the hate that we're collectively receiving. Right. Like, oh my God, are you okay? Yeah, how about you? But, you know, that's not the whole story. Of course, you tend to read those and overlook the hundreds of emails you get from people saying, thank you, because my sister and I have not spoken since the election. And thanks right. to this, these conversations you're having, I actually feel like it might be possible for us again to do that. And I'm going to have her listen to your show and we're going to talk. And those types of messages I've gotten so many of, of people mm-hmm. saying we are lost. And like, what's the alternative to continuing to talk, right? And and right now, this was part of why I was like, I have to, I think, put off the conclusion because I literally... 10 times a day go back and forth between saying like I feel like I'm 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 
trying to pilot this plane, right? That's like splitting apart. And I'm I, there's a part of me that just wants to like parachute out of the plane in like a Bill Maher suit and just be like, bye-bye, conservatives. <laughs> and there's a part of me that's so hungry to just do that because it's exhausting to have these conversations and I don't know if they lead mm-hmm. anywhere. But on the other hand, like then where are we? Leah Tao is the host of Strangers from KCRW's independent producer project and Radiotopia. To find out more about her show, check out biglisten.org. We're going to take another quick break, but when we come back, we'll hear from comedian Lauren Lapkiss about how shooting a movie in London made her fall in love with podcasts. And I started to understand even more why people like them, because I was like, I'm alone and this feels like I'm not alone. I feel like I'm hanging out with these people and I, it just gave me like a sense of peace. Like I was like hanging out, I'm not lonely. I would be walking around in an unfamiliar area with like familiar voices in my ears and it was really comforting. That's coming up next. Stay tuned. This is NPR. I'm Linda Holmes. And I'm Stephen Thompson. There's more stuff to watch and read these days than any one person can get to. That's why we make Pop Culture Happy Hour. Twice a week, we sort through the nonsense, share reactions, and give you the lowdown on what's worth your precious time and what's not. Find Pop Culture Happy Hour on the NPR One app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, my name is Valerie Cross, currently living in Las Vegas, Nevada. I'd like to recommend An Inexact Science. Uh, I love the podcast because I get to hear nice summaries of research findings, and then also uh, there's always personal stories that uh, connect with the research. Maternal love, mother-child bond, call it what you want, but that kind of attachment makes sense. Evolutionarily speaking, if we want our genetics to be passed on, we have to care for our young to make sure that our genes make it to the next generation. However, it has seemed less clear why an animal would show these same kinds of affinities, attachments, and bonds to their mates, to an animal that is not their own flesh and blood. In fact, it doesn't happen that often in nature. Um, yeah, really like that, and I highly recommend it. Thanks. Hey pals, welcome back to The Big Listen. I'm Lauren Ober, and you too can be on the radio, just like our good friend Valerie from Las Vegas. Ring up the pod line at 202-885-POD1 and tell us what you're listening to. Who knows, I might even pick up. All right, friends, it's that time again. We call it Listen Up, and it's the part of the show where we grill some pretty cool folks about what podcast they are listening to these days. And today we're checking in with actress and comedian Lauren Lapkiss. You may know her from her roles on TV shows like Are You There, Chelsea? and Orange is the New Black. Lapkiss is also a pretty prolific podcast guest. She's made more than 70 combined appearances on Improv for Humans and Comedy Bang Bang. Please welcome Wendy Wiedelman. Hello, Wendy. Scott. How are you? I'm Wendy Wiedelman. Yes, I know. But you left out an important part of my name. What is that? Wendy the Worm Wiedelman. Wendy the Worm Wiedelman? That's my middle name. Your middle name or your nickname? My middle name is, quote, the worm, unquote. (laughs) Wait, quote? 
Lapkus also hosts her own podcast. Well, sort of. It's called With Special Guest Lauren Lapkus. And the conceit of the show is that the guest is the host and Lapkus plays the character of a guest. If you're confused, this theme song should clear it all up. She's the host, but she's always a guest. And the guest is the host, so she's not really the host. It's with special guest. Lauren Lapkus with your host, somebody Lauren Lapkus, welcome to The Big Listen. Thanks for having me. How are you? Oh, I'm good. How are you? I'm doing well. Is it <laughs> is it is it weird for you? Like, you are playing yourself right now. Yeah, it sucks. Whereas normally on your show, <laughs> you are playing someone else. <laughs> yeah, I prefer that. <laughs> really? <laughs> well, no, not fully, but that is partly why the idea of the show was made. Because I was like, oh, I don't think I really want to just talk as myself on a podcast every week. <laughs> Um, especially when I like came up with it a couple of years ago, I was even less comfortable with that idea. But I think now I I feel more more comfortable as myself. But it's not as fun. Right. <laughs> and I, I met an amazing woman, uh, a fantastic lady. I found her on Craigslist, and um, she is a shaman uh, who is into meditation, which is something I have always been curious about. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Miss Harmony Moongloss. Hi, Harmony. Hi. Thank you so much for coming to my garage. Thank you so much for having me. It's really beautiful. Yeah, was it hard to find? It was a little difficult. You did mention that there were a few alleys that were confusing in this area. Yes. I did end up on all of them, but yeah. I found myself here. Isn't that how it happens? Isn't that just what it is? <laughs> but that's, that's kind of like meditation, though, that life is a series of alleys and confusion, but you find yourself where you are. Now, you know, I think you're already... Wait, so you don't get like a brief in advance that's like, here's your character name, here are some biographical details about them like you just have to go from from the start cold yeah no I don't know anything and it that worked out better for me because I like to not know anything and I like to not prepare oh see <laughs> now work that, <laughs> <laughs> I like that that's the reason why why you came up with this like I don't like work I don't want to have to prepare I, mean, I just want to be lazy about no. it um, but it actually but in the moment it takes a massive amount of work right all that improv it does and I think that it's been it's mo- it's most interesting for myself when I do the show live in front of an audience and I kind of realized how much pressure I'm putting myself under. <laughs> Start to sweat a little bit, but it's fun. Right, right. So I, th- I'm, I'm fascinated by how one can sustain a character over many minutes and even into an hour. What do you like about um, playing these characters and developing these characters as opposed to, you know, doing stand-up or sort of more straight improv? Yeah, it's really fun getting to be a character for a long stretch of time, and that was something I never really experienced doing improv on stage, even though you, know, you could stay in a character for five minutes or every once in a while you do a, a show that's just one long scene and you end up being the character for 40 minutes or something, but it's really rare to just get to have that opportunity to talk as a character for a long period of time. And Comedy Bang Bang was one of the first times that I had the opportunity to do that. Mm -hmm. On my own podcast, I use one of those characters, Tracy Reardon, on every episode. Mm -hmm. By the way, Tracy Reardon is here. Yeah, my name's Tracy Reardon. Welcome to the show. Thanks so much. It's so cool to be here. Like, I'm, like, so excited to be here. How did you get here? How, How? Why are you on the show? Oh, well, like, my brother works at this building. And, like, he told me that, like, I should hang out here and, like, hopefully someone would notice me and I would, like, get a job. Oh, I just assumed I saw you here in the building and I assumed that you were on the show. Oh, 
I mean, I am now, which is like really awesome. You so, are on the show. Yeah, yeah. Like, thank you so much. It's like really cool. Oh, okay. Well, like, yeah. my whole life is like so weird. Like, I just feel like everything random happens to me like all the time. Like, it's so weird. Do you ever do you ever get totally stuck when you're when you're on your own show um, with a character where you know like your brain blanks or you you just like you can't move forward with the story that you've created for yourself? Uh, I think it's happened a few times where the things that are given, like the facts that are given about my character, are things that I just really don't know anything about, and that's an interesting challenge. I on the episode I did with. Um, Sean and Hayes, who are the host of Hollywood Handbook, um, mm-hmm. they named me as like a brain surgeon, and the topic of the show was Guardians of the Galaxy, and I don't know either anything about either of those things. <laughs> hey! Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another installment of T-G-I-G-O-T-G-O-S-T. Thank God it's the Guardians of the Galaxy original soundtrack. That's right, and of course the first V is not capitalized, so we only say T-G-I-G-O-T-G-O-S-T. Basically, this, I I mean, if you haven't been listening before, this is our uh, 78th episode of this show, and we always try to get to the very bottom of the core question we have, which is, why is this friggin' soundtrack so addictive? I mean, I can't get enough of it, and neither can America, and we've brought in a real expert this Mm -hmm. time. Tanya Yavici is a some kind of brain scientist specializing in sounds. Yes, uh, it's it's. I don't know exactly how to understand it, but we, you work at the college. Yeah, the college. Yeah. And you love studying sounds and I and do. how it works in the on the brain. It gets me off, you guys. I love it. That's so funny it to me. It feels good to me when I hear a sound I like. <laughs> so I just like to really get in there and figure it out. Now, um, uh, are you a podcast consumer in addition to a maker? I am. And I've recently become even more of a podcast consumer. I was like in London for a few months working on a movie there. And I really got into podcasts because I was like, I'm alone. And this feels like I'm not alone. I feel like I'm hanging out with these people. And I, I, it just gave me like a sense of peace. Like I was like hanging out. I'm not lonely. I would be walking around in an unfamiliar area with pe- like familiar voices in my ears, and it was really comforting. Mm-hmm. So, what are you, or what were you listening to, or what are you listening to right now? Uh, I made a little list for you because I didn't want to forget anyone important. <laughs> um, I've been listening to Bitch Sesh, which I love, um, mm-hmm. talking about the Real Housewives. Now, I would like to say you're a busy gal. Yeah, out and about. Yeah. Um, working all the time. How do you have find the time to watch this garbage? <laughs> I know why we yeah. do. And we all seem to find the time. Yeah. So clearly there. It's, um, I exclusively watch garbage, for the record. Um, but I make the time. Um, That's good. I, and then I also listen to Dumbbells, and they talk about, like, fitness and working out, but they're also two really funny guys. Um, and I've been on that show, and it changed my entire my belief system about working out. I actually work out now after being on that show. So it's a good thing to listen to. It's really inspiring and motivating, apparently, because it's working for me. All right. We have Lauren Lapkus in the weight room. Boom. In the weight room, baby. (laughs) Oh, God. Before we get started into answering specific questions that you might have and delving into the topic which you wanted to discuss, which was ultimately diet, which Mm -hmm. is something that can help a lot of people, and it's come up a lot on the show already, we want to know what you're doing right now from a health... And nothing is fine. Nothing is fine. And I also love the Doughboys, and they talk about fast food chains, Mm -hmm. and I think it's one of the funniest 
podcasts out there right now. You got a side of the blazing sauce. A side sauce. of the blazing. She told me not to dip it, but I was like, how the hell, how do you eat it if not yeah. dipping? Yeah. She didn't want you to get too much of it on yes. it. Oh, yes. Yeah. It's a great sauce. Yeah. It's good. I like it. And I'm not a saucy lady. I like the dry rubs. I think you're pretty saucy. Oh! <laughs> yeah, and then Savage Love I have listened to for years, but it's uh, I just love it so much talking about sex and love questions, and uh, I feel like I've learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, it, it seems to me that this is something that could just flame out rather quickly. That this is going to burn hot and burn fast. That said, you still have to have a conversation with your boyfriend about what it is that he wants going forward. Your boyfriend got a boyfriend without getting his boyfriends okay about the bonus boyfriend, the extra boyfriend. You two have backed into polyamory. That is sometimes how it happens. I feel like a lot of us have Dan Savage to thank for bringing us into sexual maturity. Yes. Um, and I know that sounds weird to say. No, but, he makes it not weird. But I think he's helped a lot of people. Yeah. And you hear things that are so crazy that you're like, wow, I mean, if I think my thing is weird, that's really weird. Yeah. I don't <laughs> so <laughs> No judgment. No judgment. I like that your list is um is varied and it's a lot of stuff that probably folks haven't heard before. Thank you so much for, you know, for opening our ears, as it were, to some new stuff. Yeah. Lauren Lapkus is the brains behind the podcast with special guest Lauren Lapkus. If you want to know more about her show or any of the shows she recommended, go to biglisten.org. It's got all the details. Well, we've almost reached the end of this week's episode. Oh, oh sad tear. But before we let you go, it's time for C-H-R-T-O-G-R-A-T-H-Y. Chartography is our 60-second mapping of the iTunes charts, but we're not looking at number one or even number 100. We're looking at number 289, and seriously, there's like a new podcast dropping a minute, so number 289 is pretty great. Okay, so this podcast came a little bit out of left field. We'll say it's not exactly your standard fare, your standard podcast fare. Um, It is the 2017 Berkshire Hathaway Annual Shareholders Meeting Podcast. Boom! Sounds fascinating. Tell me more, Lauren. Okay, well, basically, the Oracle of Omaha, 86-year-old Warren Buffett, uh, is hosting this uh, is hosting this annual shareholders meeting. Yes, I've been to other annual meetings. Right. It's like watching paint dry. Exactly. Uh, there are a number of episodes where Warren Buffett talks about uh, things like driverless cars. My personal view is that they will they will certainly come. Um, the the investment that his uh, his company made in the airline industry apparently ten billion dollars. It was the one of the dumbest things I've ever done. One of the episodes is. Uh, titled The Halftime Show. Hello again and welcome to our halftime show. Although disappointingly it did not include Lady Gaga or Beyonce. However, it was instead a a chat with the chair of Coca-Cola. All right, James, congratulations on the new gig, by the way. The CEO of Brooks Running. All the gear we make is made to run in. And a model, Kathy Ireland. Kathy Ireland, hello. I'm sorry that I am still eating my Dairy Queen from my last interview. Um, I didn't actually listen to it, so I have no idea what Kathy Ireland had to um, 
had to contribute to that discussion. However, if you are into how to be a billionaire, maybe uh, the 2017 Berkshire Hathaway Annual Shareholders Meeting is for you. Um, I don't know. (laughs) Want to listen to The Big Listen on the go? Well, you can. You just go to iTunes or NPR One or any fine purveyor of podcasts and hit the old subscribe button. Then we'll be dropping into your feed every week automatically. It's just like magic. We love us some listener feedback, so please like us on Facebook and or follow us on Twitter. We're at Here Big Listen. That's H-E-A-R Big Listen. So follow us. We're not losers. If you want to send us love notes, our electronic mail address is biglisten at wamu.org. The show today was produced, mixed, and edited by Jacob Fenston and Ponzi Rutch. I, Lauren Ober, was negotiating a lasting Middle East peach. David Schulman composed the theme music. Other music in the show came from Army Navy, the band, not the store. The Big Listen is the brainchild of boss lady Andy McDaniel and her boss man, J.J. Yore, and is produced by WAMU and distributed by NPR in Washington, D.C., capital of America. And now a few final thoughts from Congressman Keith Ellison, Democrat of the Land of 10,000 Lakes, a.k.a. Minnesota. Currently, he's the only U.S. representative with a podcast. I think doing a podcast is a great idea. I think we need more, not less. I definitely, uh, I'm not, I don't need to be special. <laughs> I'm encouraging people to do them. I definitely recommend it because here's the beauty of it is, let's just say I do one radio show, then mm. it's on and then it's off. But if you podcast it, it kind of lives on. But Ellison doesn't just make a podcast. He's also a listener. You wouldn't know this from my podcast, but my like, favorite you know, broadcast podcast guy is Ira Glass. That dude is killer, man. I love that guy. <laughs> but, but, but I don't sound anything like him. No. Like nothing. Um, it's probably good that you don't. Right, right. We've already, would, we already have one. We, right. You know, somebody said, you know, always be yourself because everyone else is already taken. But we can always use another Ira impersonation, especially one from a U.S. congressman. Till next time. Keep listening, America. You know, no, Ira Glass would say it like, keep listening, America. <laughs> a little more nasally. You know, Ira's kind of nasal, you know. Yeah. Act one, keep listening, America. Act one, you know, sometimes, you know, you're standing in line. You don't know what to do. And you just look down at your watch. And then it occurs to you. <laughs> yeah, <that's it. laughs> I mean, we, we can't do better than that. That's Ira, right? <laughs> And this is NPR. Hey, the podcast is over. You need to get out of here. But... Before you scoot, how's about you go, leave us a review on iTunes, and let everyone know what you think of the show. It would really help other very attractive listeners, such as yourselves, find the show. Thanks so much.